When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Michael Remus in the host chair for Hustler. He is in Mexico uh, celebrating the Chiefs' victory. He'll be back next week uh big show big tuesday it is cfl free agency and all the moves that we expected to you know be signed on the dotted line today they're coming through the winnipeg jets practicing ahead of tomorrow's valentine's day game against the san jose sharks they're practicing and countdown to the nhl trade deadline march 8 less than a month away big milestone for us three-year anniversary also uh, nhl trade deadline It'll be 2 p.m. Central on that day. So we'll talk about that. Great group of guests today. Drew Mendel, but to join me very shortly of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Marshall Ferguson, TSN, and CF Perspective. We'll touch on CFL Free Agency. Mike McIntyre, Winnipeg Free Press on Jets practice. And David Pagnotta, the fourth period. He's like an encyclopedia on trade rumors. Just throw a team, a name, and he'll, he'll let you know everything he knows. So looking forward to that conversation. A couple shout-outs here to the sponsors. Couldn't do it without them. Wouldn't be here without the support of Canadian Club, Modern Man Barbershop. Actually, uh, took my son there on the weekend. Manitoba Battery, Winnipeg Jets, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Fort Manitoba, and Cool Bet. And looking forward to taking a look at the cool bet lines at the end of the show. Winnipeg Jets practicing ahead of uh, tomorrow's game. The lines pretty much, well, they are the same as what they were yesterday. Connor, Shafley, Ehlers going with that at the top line. Perfetti, Monaghan, Velarde, Niederreiter, Lowry, Appleton, Baron, Nemestikov, I follow. And Rasmus Kupari, the extra David Gustafson sent down to the Manitoba Moose on a conditioning stint yesterday after Dominic Toninato cleared waivers. So Morrissey DeMello, Sandberg Pionk, Stanley Schmidt on D, Brendan Dillon, the extra. Uh, CFL free agency, we're finally getting some clarity on what's going on here. The Bombers haven't signed anyone, but a couple names, you know, moving on, moving on. So Jesse Briggs. Ed Tate tweeting out that linebacker Jesse Briggs announced his retirement. The Bombers signed Chris Strevler when, you know, the, during the offseason. Oh, we wondered what would happen to Dakota Prukop. He's staying west, but with the BC Lions, uh, the Calgary Stampeders made the Demario Houston signing official. He's going there, and Jamarcus Hardrick. Signing with the rival Rough Riders. He's now the highest paid American lineman. Three Down Nation reporting 230000 
per season. And Jeff Hamilton mentioned yesterday that Ricky Walker, uh, uh, Lyman was going to sign with Calgary. That's not going to happen. He's pulled out due to personal reasons. A couple other notes. We were wondering what was going to happen with Matthew Betts. Uh, He's signing with the Lions. The Detroit Lions. uh, What is that? A developmental contract with him. Uh, So congratulations to Matthew Betts, who was a force on the D-line with the BC Lions before. And the Rough Riders made it official. AJ Ouellette. Uh, he's going, he's going there and Calgary with another signing, Matthew Schiltz as back, back up to Jake Mayer. They're going to push each other. Calgary's making some moves. I wonder what the, what they'll see. We'll get more into it with, uh, with Marshall Ferguson, who's got his finger on the pulse of the CFL. I'll give a shout out to everyone in chat before we bring in Drew. What's going on? Stormy, Bardo, Kevin Kowalik. Matt Hyman, Earl, Elliot, One Bird. What's what's going on, everyone? Thanks again for tuning in here. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate all you guys coming. I know hustlers away. Big shoes to fill for me, and you know never really got the chance to do my own show at the old station. And uh, here we are having a great time on a Tuesday. And of course, we're all tuned in to the big hearing. I think big missed opportunity for the NHL here not to televise it uh, Judge Judy style, Judge Mills Lane style. Take your pick. Morgan Riley versus the NHL in-person hearing. How many games is he going to get? How many should he get? I think those are two two different things. Uh, so appreciate. I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing and. I've kind of I've kind of cooled off on it, you know. I not I think it's a punk move by Ridley Grieg, but we're literally talking about the way you shoot a puck into an empty net. Sounds silly. Maybe we do do need more guys styling it into an empty net. Maybe guys should be flipping up on their stick and doing the Michigan or going through the legs on an empty net. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what what we need to do here. Who knows? We'll have to see. What happens with that? I can't wait to see the reaction. But they're without Morgan Riley. And I think that's a big loss for them. Plays the most minutes on the team. He's the number one power play defenseman. Uh, I see people shouting in chat. I see David gets two, should have five. Riley gets four, ten games, six games, four games. What's up, Curtis? Uh, should Should be interesting to see what he gets. But we're all basking in the glow still i don't know if i was hustler i'm sure we'd be talking about patrick mahomes his greatness the super bowl still what an incredible game that was you know two days later still thinking about you know the first half i forgot about it it was it was mad but that second half what drama Uh, you know guys went to overtime game winning drive third super bowl and third in you know five years for the chiefs uh, incredible so yeah, I know Drew's got some thoughts on the Super Bowl, and he's got some thoughts on the Jets as well, and the NHL. Drew Mandel of the Legal, Ho- Legal Curve Hockey Show is set to hop on. You can follow him on X, formerly known as Twitter, at ICDrew. And they're at Illegal Curve here on YouTube as well. Link in the description to those. Make sure, you know, if you want to link to any of our guests, uh, check out the description. I put all that that relevant info in there here on YouTube. And if you are here and enjoying the show, I see all you guys. Hit the thumbs up. Subscribe to our channel. The countdown is on. We're 47 more 
to 11k subs here on youtube couldn't do it without all your support uh thank you so much uh for coming here and tuning in well here let's let me bring in drew right away here drew how are you on this fine tuesday i'm well remo thank you for the invite buddy how are things in your world doing great filling in for hustler he's in mexico celebrating the chief's victory I, I i thought you were going to do the show in a luchador mask also just to to keep track to keep up with us not too much basking in uh patrick mahomes greatness going on on this show but i do have to ask you know you're a big follower of the nfl we're still we're two days out are you still thinking about how great that performance was super bowl 58 win over san francisco you know, it's I, I think it's a bit of a fool's game to ever bet against uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, it, look, it was a great Super Bowl. The entertainment value, particularly in the second half and as it came down the stretch, was through the roof. The first half uh, was much more of a feeling out process. But look, Patrick Mahomes is a wizard out there. And I would not envy any defensive coordinator or any team that has to game plan against him. And San Francisco did everything in their power. And... Look, he. I don't think San Francisco lost the game. Just Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City won the game, and they made more key plays down the stretch than the Niners did. I mean, you can't settle for field goals against Patrick Mahomes because I don't know anybody who doubted that San Fran after uh, that Casey was going to win the game after San Fran settled for the field goal in overtime. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is just that good, especially in the clutch when it matters the most. He just knows and finds a way to get it done each and every time. And there was no different there. And, you know, I saw Kyle Shanahan talking about why he chose to take the ball first because uh, he wanted the ball third if it became a sudden death situation. And I'm thinking to myself, look, if San Francisco had scored a touchdown on their overtime possession and then Kansas City matched that touchdown, does anybody really think that Andy Reid was not going to go for two points with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback to walk it off with a winning two-point conversion? I thought that maybe that was a little bit too cute by Kyle Shanahan in trying to play for the third possession because you're going up against Patrick Mahomes. You have to have the killer's mentality and think you're not going to get once he touches the ball you're unlikely to get another opportunity after that. So I thought that was a bit of a uh, too cute by half by the San Francisco head coach. But nonetheless, I thought it was a great Super Bowl. I was thoroughly entertained, and I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do with myself for the rest of the following Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays until September. Yeah, even Mondays have felt weird the last couple weeks without Monday night football, but temperatures warming up. Well, maybe we can figure out what to do with Sunday, but it definitely leaves a hole in the schedule. Um, Pitchers and catchers report to to Florida and Arizona in only a couple weeks' time. So, and uh, as you know, we're in the same fantasy baseball mm-hmm. draft. So that uh, we've been trying to schedule that. So that's uh, right around the horizon is uh, fantasy baseball season. And admittedly, I'm not the same baseball fanatic that you are or that I once was, but uh, my fantasy draft still uh, piques my interest come baseball season. Gonna be honest, since 2020, since I had kids, I haven't watched as even close uh, yeah. to as much as I used to. Following it loosely, how could, how could you not in the summer? But yes, not not what it used to be. But moving on from the Super Bowl and the Jets, 
Big win, snapping the losing streak over Pittsburgh on Saturday. Have, yeah. they, have they righted the ship here or uh, level leveled the plane? Is that the appropriate term? How are you, how are you feeling you're heading in to tomorrow against San Jose? Uh, look, they got a much-needed win on Saturday. Uh, I think they need to come out and dominate the Sharks tomorrow, and then I'll be more confident in saying, okay, what they experienced with the losing streak was a blip, and now that blip is finished, and they'll be back to playing maybe not the same dominant level of hockey, but just a more consistent brand of hockey. They had trouble with San Jose, if you recall, last year after the doldrums set in in the second half. Uh, so, you know, this is a San Jose team that we know is, is, is frankly, awful. They're going to be without Thomas Hurdle on uh, Wednesday night. The Jets need to, you know, completely control the game tomorrow night, and then I'll be in a position to say, to be more confident with with where this team is going to go for the remainder of the regular season. Um, they got the win on Saturday. You can't take anything away from them. I mean, he scored two goals, uh, so it's not like the offense was a juggernaut or anything along those lines. But against San Jose, there's no re- reason why you shouldn't be able to win handily and not sweat out uh, you know, the final minutes of a one-goal game or anything along those lines. You're at home. You're a way better hockey team on paper. Uh, th- there's just no reason why it should be even a close game tomorrow night. So the Jets need to have that killer's mentality, similar to Patrick Mahomes as it happens, different sports, but same mentality that you go out there, you dominate that game, you win that game early against San Jose. You don't sort of ease your way into that game. You're ready to go at puck drop. And frankly, you know, you should be able to, if you win that first period and you win it handily, San Jose isn't going to be in a position where they're going to be in a, a you know, battling back and, you know, really able to uh, able to scratch and claw their way back into the game. Win that game in the first period, then you can go into your defensive shutdown mode that you've been so adept at playing this year, and then the Jets should be able to to come away with a comfortable victory. That, to me, would be uh, more evidence that they're uh, back headed in the in the right direction uh, for the last you know however many games, especially before Saturday night's game in Vancouver against the Leafs league-leading Canucks, a position that the Jets found themselves in not too long ago, and the Jets know that that's where they want to get back to. And so I think that you can't overlook San Jose, but you can use the San Jose game as a building block for Saturday's main event, Saturday night's main event, if you want me to go back to using a a wrestling uh, reference (laughs) uh, against the Canucks, uh, which will be a much more entertaining contest, I think. Yeah, nice favorable schedule here. you got the two-day Days off uh, yesterday and today with practice, and two days in between this game and Saturday's. Yes, Saturday night's yep. main event, late one at nine o'clock. Looking forward. That you know, you mentioned the scoring. I you know they, I don't want to say they got goalie the last couple of games, but they definitely had chances against Urson and on Saturday as well against Jari. You know, scoring has certainly been a problem, but you know, moving Nikolai Ehlers with Mark back with Mark Shafley is that unlocking a lot of the issues that they have had over the last couple of games here? Well, look, uh, that line should produce. Every line that Nikolai Ehlers is usually on tends to produce. 
And so more ice time for Nikolai Ehlers is only going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing for the Jets. It's going to be a good thing for his line mates. So Shifley and Ehlers together is something that I'm certainly on board with. Um, that line, you know, there's no reason why that line shouldn't be able to dominate most of their opponents. Uh, and so I, I'm happy with this move. I'm happy with any move that gives Nikolai Ehlers more ice time. Especially against, you know, you got San Jose. There's no reason why San Jose should be able to slow down that line at all uh, tomorrow night. So the Jets should just be able to go out there. And then the second line, which is, of course, the line that I'm paying more attention to because we don't know, uh, you know, what that line is going to be. We've never really seen that line together for any period of time other than this past Saturday against Pittsburgh. I want to see that second line. Uh, I want to see Monahan, Velarde, and Perfetti have some chemistry together. I want to see those guys be able to become more comfortable with each other and perform at a consistently higher level. The top line for the Jets is going to produce. I don't have any doubts about that whatsoever, but let me see what that second line does, and then maybe you can get into more of a rotation and a comfortable position in having sort of a stability with your four lines because we know that lowry niederreiter and appleton that seems to be you know rick bonus is comfortable with that line rick bonus is comfortable right now with aya fallow and the mesnikov and baron it's that second line can that second line uh make beautiful music together and if they can and you know that that first line will then the winnipeg jets are going to be in a very uh in a very good position moving forward yeah, just looking at the lines from today's practice, Scott Billick tweeting out Connor, Shafley, Ehlers, Perfetti, Monahan, Velarde, as you mentioned, Niederreiter, Lowry, Appleton together, uh, Baron, Nemestikov, IFL, Rasmus, Kupari, the extra forward, David Gustafson, sent to the Moose, our conditioning, Morrissey, DeMello, Sandberg, Yonk, Stanley, Schmidt, and Brandon Dillon, who has another game to serve as a suspension. Uh, he is the extra, and you know, they made the move yesterday, Tony Nato, waivers down to the moose, and they activated Gustafson. Many thought maybe would this be the time Billy Hainola gets a shot. Should we stop crossing our fingers waiting for him to get a shot? Does he have any future in this organization with their defense set and locked up for, you know, going forward? Well, he certainly has a future with this organization, but we had J.P. Vijay on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on Saturday, and I thought J.P. made a really interesting point. He said that at this point of the season, sort of coming back from the injury that Vili Hainala suffered right at the end of the exhibition season, it might be too big of a mountain to climb to expect him to get back into the Winnipeg Jets lineup, that getting your skating back, getting your conditioning back, that, you know, sitting here on the 13th of February, that it might be a lot to ask of Billy Hainala to, to ramp back up to where he was uh, at the end of training camp, at the end of the exhibition season. And that sort of squares, I thought, with what Rick Bonus said yesterday, that, you know, Billy Hainala's skating with his time with the Moose is not yet where it was at the end of the exhibition season can it get there you know this year well that's to be determined but i do think that given uh, rick bonus's comments we need to really tap the brakes on expecting Vili hanela to be an option for the winnipeg jets in the next few weeks now that's not to say that 
come playoff time or come after the trade deadline where the roster limits aren't as strict as they are currently, he won't find his way back up with the Jets. But it doesn't seem like it's going to be imminent. And I think that everyone just needs to sort of let Vili Hainala spend his time with the Moose, keep working to get back to where he was, and then if he gets there, maybe then he is an option for the Winnipeg Jets. But it's clear that there is no... There's not going to be any rushing him, and it's not a development function at this point. It's just that he missed so much time with the injury, and he was off the ice for so long, and it was such an untimely injury that it may turn out to be almost a bit of a lost year for Vili Hainala, which is especially upsetting for him, given that he was set to make the Winnipeg Jets out of training camp had he not suffered that injury. Yeah, drafted in 2019, 20th overall. That's coming up five years ago now. Crazy to crazy to say, but uh, 35. We've all gotten old over that time. Yeah, aged a lot since uh, June 2019 and 35 career NHL games and still kind of unknown what he's going to be at the NHL level if he makes it there. All time, and, and I'd have more concern with it. Sorry, Remo. I'd have more concern with it if he wasn't set to make the Jets out of training camp. The Jets were in a, you know, the Jets basically said we're going to healthy scratch, presumably Nate Schmidt, and his salary because Billy Hainala was the better of the two options. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if he hadn't gotten to that point, and if he was still, you know. Uh, you know, sort of tagged to be a player on the moose at the beginning of this year, then I'd say there's a lot more question marks about his future. I do believe he's still in the Winnipeg Jets plans moving forward. Obviously, he had played his way onto the team during training camp and the exhibition season. So I do think that it's just a really unfortunate set of timing more than anything else that his development isn't continuing on an upward tra- trajectory for the Jets and for Hainala's future with this organization. Yeah, and last one, I know you got to go, but everyone's talking, everyone's got an opinion on Morgan Riley. He's having a hearing today. He's supposed to be in person. It's now Zoom because of the snowstorm in New York. You want to weigh in on the... I guess it would have happened after the Legal Curve Hockey Show on Saturday. You got any hot takes on the... Morgan Riley Ridley Grieg situation. I don't have any. I mean, here's my hot take. My hot take is if you don't want to get, you know, if you want to prevent the guy from scoring on your empty net, is you know, prevent the guy from scoring on your empty net. Don't go and you know, cross check him afterwards. What he did is going to get him a suspension. I just find it hilarious that we're we're listening to Ryan Reeves of all people, uh, you know, and, and what he has to say about the matter. Like Ryan Reeves is not an NHL caliber player anymore. So who really gives a damn what Ryan Reeves has to say? Like the Ryan Reeves was not going to be on the ice at that point in time. You know, Ryan Reeves, you know, make hockey violent again. Give me a break. Only Ryan Reeves only wants to make hockey violent again because that's the only way he can still play in the league. Uh, look. Good for good, you know. The Senators won a game against their rival. Damn right, slap that puck into the net. I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, you know, I, on on February 20th, when the Jets play the Minnesota Wild, I, you know, I hope the Winnipeg Jets are in a position, or the Wild are in a position, as you know, to slam the puck into an opposing net as well, into an empty net, put a you know a, a stamp on a victory against a a rival uh, rivalry uh, game and a rivaled opponent. 
more heat, the better as far as I'm concerned. Morgan Riley is going to get what Morgan Riley gets. I mean, there's no way of predicting what the NHL Department of Player Safety is going to spin on their roulette wheel. But the more hate, the better, uh, as far as I'm concerned. The season is so damn long, and most of the games are so meaningless that when you can finally get a game that has some significance and has some hate uh, attached to it, that's good for the players on the ice, and that's good for the fans in the stands. So the more hate, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Drew, I really appreciate your time. Uh, Thank you so much for hopping on today. And if you want to plug where people can find you and uh, the Legal Curve Hockey Show to all the listeners out there. Uh, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show airs Saturday mornings on the Illegal Curve YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. And then again, uh, after each and every Winnipeg Jets game, it's the Illegal Curve post game show back on our YouTube channel and all of our social media. Plus, IllegalCurve.com keeps rolling on as per usual. There he is, Drew Mendel. Uh, I see Drew on X formerly known as Twitter and uh, Illegal Curve ho- IllegalCurve.com and Illegal Curve Hockey Show also here on YouTube and, and podcast. And I do have those links in the description. A couple super chats here. Show to Spency, Remo, and Grandpa Drew, my favorite part of IC and WSD. Thank you, Spency, for the super chat. And MC Stormy says, BR Chats Valentine Room. Yes, Valentine's Day tomorrow. Is there something fun we can do for Valentine's Day? Your favorite uh, favorite sports couples? I would have to think Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift would be number one in the sports world. Unavoidable during the Super Bowl, the number of times they showed uh, Taylor Swift in the box. And I'm particularly enjoying the videos of them at the after party, all dressed in black. And there's Travis's brother, Jason Kelsey. Dressed in, what, checkered Chiefs-colored overalls and a luchador mask, silently dancing behind them. I don't know. I think I think that, I almost think that's funnier than the shirtless at the Bills game. Uh, The checkered overalls and luchador mask. So, uh, we'll see what they're up to. I just, it's unavoidable on on my feed here that Travis will be accompanying Taylor on the next leg of the Eras Tour. I can't believe that I'm talking about that. Anyways, we're going to talk CFL free agency. It's today. Finally, players are able to sign after this negotiation period. So pumped to bring in Marshall Ferguson. Unmatched passion for uh, Canadian football. So a couple messages, then we'll bring in, uh, bring in Marsh. Here it is. Hey, gang, if you want to clean it up a little bit and get looking good, uh, you got to head over to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops with eight locations conveniently located throughout Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man has you covered with a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com and follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Barber Shops. Uh, big shout out to our friends at Manitoba Battery as well. Donnie and the gang getting set to open up later this month their second Winnipeg location on Dover Court over in the south side of Manitoba, which means folks in the south end will have an even easier time popping by Manitoba Battery. But as we've been telling you on Winnipeg Sports Talk, 
you really don't need to leave your home because not only will you shop local and get the lowest prices in town, bottom line, beating the pants off the big box stores, Manitoba Battery will deliver your batteries to you anywhere inside the perimeter for free with any purchase over $60. It's just that easy. Stay tuned for grand opening details and sales specials. But in the meantime, for all your battery needs, go to manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 204-783-8787. We are, of course, counting down the days to February 29th when we're looking forward to teaming up with our great friends and sponsors at Canadian Club and the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival to uh, take over the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame for the Canadian Whiskey Masterclass event. And, of course, watch the Jets take on the Dallas Stars. Uh, The event is sold out thanks to everyone that uh, is going to come and see us. We can't wait to see you that night as well. In the meantime, for more uh, information on the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival, check it out online. And when you're at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, make sure to check out the Canadian Club display for all of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. And remember, always enjoy responsibly. And uh, hey, I should also give a shout out to uh, the gang down at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. And they're getting ready for a big, big summer of 2024. If you are looking for an incredible fly-in fishing experience where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot featuring world-class fishing. And as great as the fishing is, the hospitality of the Turen family and the Aikens team is even better. Find out more about availability and booking for 2024 at AikensLake.com. Be sure to check them out online on X and Instagram at Aikens Lake. There's us. He'll be in uh, next week. But right now I'm filling in here in the host chair you are enjoying the show hit the thumbs up hit the subscribe button do all the things helps our channel be shown to more people here on youtube and i'm so pumped to bring on right now marshall ferguson uh, tsn cf perspective uh, in the car marsh what's going on cfl free agency oh my god you got you're in the car and with a dog how's how's it going there oh yeah that's sp- special appearance by uh, by sky the real star of the show here but yeah it's uh real life doesn't stop going to pick up my little man here in hamilton from daycare and uh trying to stay up to tabs on all the news that's going on across the cfl because it's been a lot of fun to see so many different guys moving and shaking into different places over the last uh i mean really the last week right like it, last tuesday was essentially when things really got going and to see the news continue to flood in from all over the CFL and a lot of stuff I honestly didn't expect to see as well has been super fun. Yeah, well, it started uh, for us last Tuesday when the Bombers announced uh, first they'd signed Brady Oliveira and then they signed Dalton Schoen, both to well, I think $230,000 contracts around there. Uh, Brady getting two years, Schoen getting on. What did you make of the Bombers' ability to keep both those guys? I was honestly stunned. Like, we, so we taped an episode of the Waggle, uh, Donovan Bennett and myself, uh, because we didn't want to get Enoch Mwamba in any trouble. Waggle. So we decided we'd give him a week off because he couldn't, uh, you know, violate the CBA by commenting and tampering. So they had me in to co-host with Donovan. Super fun conversation. But we did that last Monday. And then we got to Tuesday afternoon and all hell broke loose when it came to Brady and Dalton coming back. And we're like, guys, our entire episode is useless now. Like, we literally can't put this out we can't push it out on tuesday or wednesday when we were planning on doing it and and the reason we couldn't push it out is donovan and i had like a 20 minute discussion about why toronto was going to get brady Oliveira. 
And we did that with the line of thinking that he is going to want to maximize his value. We know that the career length of running backs is not very long. We know how much of a beating they take on every single snap. And so we just said, you know what, if he wants to maximize it and he wants to get maximum money that he possibly can, marketing dollars, uh, you know, earn things off the field, I know how valuable Winnipeg is to him and vice versa. But I just thought if he could go to Toronto and line up alongside Chad Kelly and have the potential to go to, and it's, this is not Toronto bias. Like, I know that that's what people are going to say about, you know, the idea of uh, him leaving the prairies and going to somewhere where, you know, oh, it's, the, it's Toronto's the center of the universe. That's not true, but Toronto dearly needs star power, which they've gotten Chad Kelly, but they dearly need star power that is Canadian as well. And they just traded Curly Gittins Jr. So I, I was like, man, this is kind of a perfect match. I don't know how much. And then out of left field, Hamilton just offers them a huge contract. And I, I was stunned by that because I'm like, you don't need him. And it felt as though it, it was potentially just them, the Tiger Cats, trying to drive the number up on the Bombers to re-sign him. But Brady being Brady, despite the fact that he, you know, tweeted out the money bag signs, emojis, and all the rest, he loves Winnipeg. He wanted to be in Winnipeg. So I, I think it was a lot of gamesmanship, by whether it's Toronto, Hamilton, Winnipeg's front office, Brady himself. But at the end of the day, it needed to happen for him to go back because he is the perfect like we overuse that term perfect i think too much when we're talking about perfect fits in free agency for different teams he is the perfect fit for that market that team and i'm honestly just so happy for people in winnipeg that they get to keep watching him and buy his jersey and support everything that he does because he he represents that city and that market and that team so 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 well uh and then dalton i thought somebody was going to pay out their backside and to go and get him but i think he understands that his connection with Kalaros is so valuable that you might not be able to recreate what he's been elsewhere. Not that he is dependent on Zach for his success, but they've been such an immediate and natural fit that I had a hard time imagining him wanting to leave that connection for any amount of money. Yeah, it seemed like both players here uh, very attached to Winnipeg and Brady. I mean, it's his hometown, hometown guy. Uh, I think that's certainly, uh, certainly valuable as well. You know, they didn't sign everyone. A couple losses here. Um, I mean, which one do you think is going to hurt them? The most, uh, uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, now it's his retirement. Uh, Jameer Houston to Calgary, that was announced. And Jamarcus Hardrick becoming the highest paid American lineman uh, going to Saskatchewan. I think the biggest one for me that will have a tangible effect, because I think it's, it's cool and fun to be crowned the interception leader of the season. Like Mr. INT, I've seen the Stampeders tweeting at all this stuff of like, all he does is go and get the football. And it's like, yeah, I like him. I like his game. He was very productive in Winnipeg. But you can find another American defensive back who can go and get you interceptions. Like, that's that's not impossible to do. Pretty hard to find really good quality offensive tackle play. So I have my concerns about losing Hardrick. I, especially, not only are you losing him, but you're losing him to your rival. And I think that that's going to, to <laughs> it's going to create a lot of fun uh, when you imagine, you know, seeing Willie Jefferson lining up opposite of Jamarcus Hardrick when it comes to Labor Day and the Banjo Bowl. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, the one that I was really caught off guard by was Jackson Jeffcoat because I think that dude has got a ton left in the tank. Like he, to me, when he is healthy, he's as good as any defensive end in the CFL. And we just saw Sean Lemon in Montreal last year have a late season renaissance. And I, I just felt like Jeffcoat was primed to take another run at this thing. And I actually... 
I kind of believe that he was going to maybe jump somewhere else, go to the East Division, and potentially lead the league in sacks because he, I thought he would be so motivated to be out on his own doing his own thing. So, um, you know, not being compared to Willie and not having to say, well, you know, you're 1A, 1B. Like, if he could just be his own guy and be a superstar, I thought that that's what we were going to get out of Jackson Jeffco. So, I'm, I don't know, man. I haven't read the reporting. I saw that, that uh, Friesen had a story out there in Winnipeg about it that I, I haven't had a chance to read and dig into yet, but I'm skeptical. It just my, my gut feeling says I don't know why somebody who's that good at what he does would walk away from the game just because he couldn't get a deal done with Winnipeg and nobody else was going to pay him what he wanted to be paid. I, I think I, I would hope, and I, and I do hope, that he would get an opportunity somewhere that would make him happy financially and he can continue to be great. Yeah, he certainly was a great player uh, here in Winnipeg, six seasons. I know he's got some other interests outside of football down yeah. in the in the Austin area. So it'd be great to see him back with another team. But um, he seems to be at peace with the decision. But you never know. Guys have said that before and came and came back. Uh, just <laughs> the one co- I, I do yeah. want to say while we're while we're talking about retirements, I do love um, that we're talking about Jackson Jeffcoat and the immense respect that everybody across the CFL has for him and the fact that he's going out on his own terms, which I greatly respect, and he's retired. When you see the, the headline come up from three down the other day that was uh, <laughs> controversial linebacker Chris Edwards confirms that he has retired, I'm like, no, the CFL retired him. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of everything that we're talking about with Jackson Jeffcoat, where it's like, yeah, no, you're kind of untouchable right now, man. You keep punching people at the end of games. We, we can't have that in the CFL. So um, could not be two more different situations, it feels like, between those two defenders. Yeah, and just sticking with the Bombers, we'll move on to the rest of the league. Uh, Ricky Walker was supposed to sign with Calgary, but he backed out due to personal reasons. Don't know much more than that. Um, Jesse Briggs, linebacker, retired. Dakota Prukop uh, to BC after the Bombers signed Chris Strebler. And we're still mm-hmm. waiting... Uh, for the Bombers, Janarian Grant, we're not really sure what's going to happen with him. And uh, Sergio Castillo, a kicker. I, I think if they lost, you saw when they didn't have Grant last year, they couldn't return the ball at all. I think that would be a huge loss, so I'm not sure where he's going to end up. Yeah, the other one that's interesting for me is uh, is Greg McRae, because he kind of filled in that, that swing role, not obviously to the levels of a Nick Dembski, but to see him move from running back to slot back to fill in return man like it's it feels like McRae as far as I've seen he's still unsigned and I don't know whether he feels like his value is high enough to try and you know he's going to be maybe a spring ball guy because there's always that handful of players especially the Americans that go ahead and say oh, I'd like to actually give this a shot and see what I can do uh, you know in the spring league and maybe catch an NFL general manager's eye because I'm coming off of what they deem to be uh, good exposure for them in, in the Canadian Football League. Uh, we've even seen Canadian guys do that. I believe Richie Sandani did that last year, went down to New Orleans alongside Herjie Mayala, and it's like it didn't work out for either of them. They came back and they kind of pieced together seasons. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's there's going to be some losses naturally. The Briggs one, I, to me, it just kind of sucks. Like, I, I just love what he's about and what he has been about, and it, it really is a turning of the page, though. Like, this is the biggest takeaway I have, you know, if I can leave anybody with a big picture Winnipeg thought on this is Winnipeg, as soon as that game ended in Hamilton, in the Grey Cup, everybody said there's going to be changes. If they're not going to be able to bring everybody back, some people are going to need to get paid some more than others. We're going to have to alter this roster and try and maintain the core. They don't get me wrong. They've done that. Willie, Adam, Zach, like everybody is back. 
that you would expect would be back. Brady, Dalton, we've already talked about. But you lose some of the players that you're talking about. You, you start to tweak it a little bit. And I, I've just been having flashbacks today watching the news trickle in of guys retiring or leaving or what it might be. And it just makes me think so much about the final seconds of the Grey Cup and what could have been, right? The confirmation of a dynasty versus um, the big picture of how do you, in a salary cap sport, when people want to maximize their value and their time playing, how do you maintain success without breaking the bank in a variety of different ways? So they're, they're up against it, but I actually think Winnipeg is doing a really good job of trying to maintain as much as they possibly can. Yeah, you're giving me flashbacks. You know, I still thought the Bombers were going to stop Cody Fajardo just until, you know, until <laughs> just until they didn't. Uh, you thought it was it was going to happen. You know, they had shots multiple times and weren't able to. And bring back some bad memories, uh, bad memories here, Marsh. But you look around the league. I mean, is there a team that can ch- like um, who Montreal? I don't know there's I'm not sure what their situation is, but there's a team that could challenge. Winnipeg, like they seem to be still up there for contenders in the West. I don't know what you make of, you know, who's improved the most around the league here early in free agency. I'm intrigued by Edmonton just because I think MBT is going to make them so so much more consistent, and they're not going to be, you know, reliant upon let's just go get as many athletes as we possibly can and hope to figure it out. I, I think they're going to just be better from top to bottom because McLeod will calm down that room. Uh, but I still, I don't know if they're a playoff team right now based on what you see on paper. I, Curly Gittins Jr. has great top-end potential. Gino Lewis had a year that I think he was hoping would be significantly better. I think he'll be highly motivated. But for me, in all honesty, Calgary, this feels like a bit of a turning of the page year for them as well because they were the type of team during John Huffnagel's run that would rarely, if ever, be aggressive in free agency. I would always go out and... Uh, you know, I'm putting my tracker together of who's signing where and when. And it was always Calgary's list is is always just a lot of Calgary guys re-signing. And they've always believed in developing internally. And But, you know, you see maybe a Julian Hauser would sign or the one year they went and got Richard Leonard. Or, but this time around, it's like you got colors of teams from all over the rest of the CFL that are plugging and playing in Calgary quickly, I think they're going to be really aggressive because Huff essentially retiring, becoming a consultant or a, uh, you know, just like, a, like a, an overseeing voice um, that's going to make them different. But Saskatchewan to me is like, you get the right tackle, you get the running back, you get the coach that people want to play for. Uh, you get Jameer Thurman out of Hamilton. I was surprised to see the Tiger Cats let Jameer Thurman go and bring in Jordan Williams via trade because I thought Jameer Thurman was outstanding this past season in Hamilton. So Saskatchewan has added a lot of pieces that I I thought Mace would be a draw. Um, I'm not sure that they got all of the pieces I thought that they would. I thought Jamal Peters would have been a really nice addition to replace Nick Marshall in that boundary corner spot, but then they end up going out and getting a couple of defensive backs, including Jalen Edwards-Cooper out of BC that I think is going to be a, a difference maker for them. So, uh, yeah, Saskatchewan has impressed me because of their aggressive approach and Calgary as well. So the West Division, it's still Winnipeg's until further notice, but there are teams actively trying to find ways to crack the armor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, Calgary's made some new moves that have stood out to me. Uh, Matthew Schultz is backup quarterback, I guess, pushing Jake Mayer. I don't think any of those guys are like A, you know, top-tier guys, but, you know, have shown flashes in the past. And Calgary signing Demario Houston from the Bombers as well. 
I'm looking at your top list of free agents, and number one, Tim White. He's looking for, what, 300000 <laughs> Is he going to get it? And the other one, number two, Matthew Betts, who just signed with the Lions, the Detroit Lions, today. So congratulations to him. But the receiver market, you know, Dalton Schoen mentioned he couldn't get, like, a huge raise, which kind of surprised me. But you have a number of receivers, Tim White, Cameron Phelps with Toronto, uh, who you, on your list, you got Rashid Bailey as well. I'm not sure what's going to happen with him. And Lucky Whitehead is at number 20. So I don't know what to make of this uh, receiver market. Yeah, it's an interesting one, right? Because if Tim White, if you play the game of top five receivers in the CFL, it's pretty simple to go, okay, Geno Lewis is right there. You got to have probably Hatcher. Some people say Hollins, but I think Hatcher is really the one that makes the difference in BC's offense. Uh, maybe Dominic Grimes when he's healthy, uh, you know, at, at times DeVars Daniels still looks like he's a top end guy, certainly did the job, led statistical categories for the Argonauts, most of them last season. And then you kind of get to Tim White and you're like, well, like, who are you pushing out of the top five in order to put Tim White in? And he's right there on the fringe. But if you're, if you're right there on the edge of that five, he could be as good as one any given game. But he could also be somebody who just kind of like disappears. And if you're not hitting the home run ball, it doesn't feel like he's making a, you know, $300,000 kind of impact on the football game. So I'm, uh, I'm intrigued to see him holding uh pad at that $300,000 a year mark. I, I, I just have a hard time imagining like the amount of wear and tear that Brady Oliveira volunteers for every single time he puts on a Winnipeg blue bombers uniform. And he's going to, what do you end up getting like 240, 230, something like yeah. that. Right. And I think it goes up kind of over the next couple of years, but in that range of 230, 240. And then if I'm Tim white and I see that and I'm like, well, I honestly do like maybe half of what Brady Oliveira does. I understand this is an interesting conversation about like what positional value is. Tim white's a game changer. I'm not saying he's not, I'm just saying, I don't know how the heck you're supposed to give him $300,000 when you've got to spend a ton of money on your entire uh, receiving core, and if you give that much money to one person, kind of like Edmonton has seen, where between Curly Gittins Jr. and Geno Lewis, like you're paying those guys a ton of money, and it's like, okay, well, if defenses are able to take away those two, there's not there's not a whole lot else that's that's available for you that you're going to trust as like a game changing talent. So, um, yeah, I think Tim White, good on you, man. Get as much money as you possibly can while you can get it. But the receiver market behind him, I think, is going to thin out considerably. The one that that does interest me though is Cam Phillips from the Argonauts because Campbell's to me, like I mentioned, Devaris Daniels is the one that really makes that offense go for Toronto, but Cam Phillips came in as the, you know, XFL yardage uh, receiving leader and all this hype around him. And he was so consistent. I thought when he was healthy and you needed that kind of like field slot back that you could really believe in. And I thought he gave them that in spades this past season when they were having this historic regular season before the East final collapse to Montreal. And to see him not get picked up, I did see that Toronto has added essentially last year's XFL regular season receiving yards leader. I'm like, are the Argonauts just trying to get like the new version of Cam Phillips for cheaper? Because that's that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, you mentioned the Argonauts. You expect them to take a step back this year, losing a couple big pieces. Darius Pickett uh, goes to Ottawa. Uh, Jamal Peters, Hamilton, Boris Beattie uh, released Javon Leak today. That was Edmonton. So a couple guys on Toronto. Oh, AJ Wallet also is a Saskatchewan. A couple guys on Toronto leaving. You think they're going to take a step back there in the East? 
Yeah, I think there's a real threat. The problem is in this conversation, anytime that you say is, is team X going to take a step back, somebody who is team Y has to go beat them. Mm. And for me, it's like, okay, if you're looking around the East division, sure. Toronto took a step back, but is it a big enough step back that they're going to lose games to the Ottawa Red Blacks? Uh, I don't feel that way yet. We'll see what the Red Blacks turn into because they're always kind of a mystery going into the year with so much turnover the last couple of years. Then you look at Hamilton. Okay, yeah, they'll, they'll back and forth the threat. But if Bo's injured again, do you feel like Taylor Powell can consistently beat the Toronto Argonauts as currently constituted? It's up for discussion, right? So there's really no... If they do take a step back, is it a big enough step back that it actually hurts them in the standings because they're losing games in East on East consistently when they know the opponents so well? I think that's that's the question that we all have to really be asking about Toronto at this point. But again, they believe they have a lot of, of bodies that they will promote from within. Like Jonathan Jones, the middle linebacker, I think is going to be a really nice fit for Jordan Williams leaving and Enoch Mwamba being out. And then the one that really interests me today, um, it was actually the first players that have been signed by Toronto that are not Argonauts of 2023 was Kerfala Exame. Everybody knows from Winnipeg, special team are extraordinary. I think he's got like 63 special teams tackles and like 64 career games, which is crazy. But he goes, but then Tunde Adelike, who I thought was a natural fit for Ottawa, ends up going to Toronto. But they already have Royce Mechie at free safety. So you would have to assume that between potentially if they bring back Robertson Daniel, who still is a, right now as a free agent, you've got Deshaun Amos, and then you have Royce Mechie at free safety. And now you have Tunde Adelike. You've basically got two guys, maybe three guys in that group that could play the cover linebacker spot, the Sam, or the boundary halfback, or free safety. So Toronto's going to be more multiple, I think. But yeah, that was a, an interesting one for me to see because I am wondering what they're going to end up looking like by the time we get to the season. Uh, but signing Tunde. I didn't see that one coming. That was kind of out of left field for me, even as much as I've studied it and thought about it over the last couple of months. Yeah, one other thing I was looking at was the uh, running back, musical chairs. You know, Brady Oliveira staying with Winnipeg, Wallet to Saskatchewan, uh, Tevin Jones from Saskatchewan to sign, but we're still waiting. Uh, Jamal Morrow I haven't seen, and Kadeem Carey is number five. I know, so yeah, Standback went to, went to BC. I don't know where you think Carey uh, ends up, and I guess you don't have Jamal Morrow on your list either. I thought he was solid last year. Yeah, well, I did too, but then Saskatchewan brought back Hickson and didn't decide to bring back Morrow, so I was yeah. kind of like, they, they kind of told you what they think of him in that spot. And again, it's not that he's not a good player and not that he's not valuable, it's the fact that there, there, this was such an interesting free agency for running backs because Brady was the one who could have absolutely lit a firecracker in the middle of the you know fireworks factory and just all hell would have broke loose if he would have said you know what, I'm going to BC for a bunch of money. They'd be like, okay, well, now Stanback's not going there. Now Morrow's going and Kadeem's going. And I think the logical landing spot has to be Toronto for Kadeem Carey. I don't know why it's not done yet. What I, Toronto, at this point, you lose leak. Andrew Harris is gone. AJ Oletza, you have a chance to reset your running back room. Maybe there's injury concerns on Kadeem Carey, but all you really have in-house right now is Daniel Adababoy, who's an incredible special teamer. And when he was at Bryant, and I watched a bunch of his film getting ready for the CFL draft a couple years ago, so he's a really good player. But I'm not sure if he's ready to be Andrew Harris or AJ Oled. And that's what the Argonauts need in order to have success. You talk about them taking a step backwards. They're going to take a step backwards if they don't have any running game to try and take some of the pressure off of Chad Kelly. Because believe me when I say, people are coming for Chad Kelly's stuff this year. Like, pass rushers off the edge. If you can't slow them down by keeping them honest with a running game... I think the Toronto, that's how they could actually really struggle. Uh, and Dinwiddie will scheme that and figure that out. But right now you're building your roster 
I think you have to go and get either a moral or a Kadeem carry to, to give yourself, okay, guys, we lost Adarius Pickett. Uh, we lost Jamal Peters down the road. We lost a couple of our inside guys, Dwayne Hendricks and, and Brandon Barlow. We lost this. We lost it. But we still have Chad Kelly. We still have a huge offensive line. We can still run the football because we've got, you know, Kadeem carry, Jamal Morrow, whatever it might be. So, um, I, I think that has to be a priority for them. There's some of these things, and I know they take time when you're negotiating them, but AJ Olette didn't announce he's going to Saskatchewan two hours ago. We've known about it throughout the last week. So the idea that Toronto has not aggressively gone out and signed somebody, maybe we just haven't asked the right questions. There's only so many people who have contact with agents and front office executives across the Canadian Football League. Uh, but I assume that they would have been asking that question of so what is your plan of running back here because it seems pretty important to me that the Argonauts have the ability to run the football a little bit yeah I'm looking at uh, Justin Dunk of Three Down Nation just reporting now Morrow's got a couple teams interested so we'll wait and see Marsh see you've reached your destination there uh, <laughs> thank you so much for uh, coming on while on the car uh, I don't I don't remember your dog's name, but Sky. I know. Yeah, our Sky's posted up as always in the backseat, just hanging out, waiting for Noah to get picked up from school. Yeah, uh, very nice. Well, I know our chat <laughs> enjoyed watching Sky while you're driving. As another dad, I recognize that car seat as well. It looks like a Graco, <laughs> I, I believe. It's you got to get the Graco Graco forever so that you never have to upgrade or change and alter it in any way. The problem for me is. My kid's getting so damn tall out of nowhere all of a sudden that I'm trying to figure out what the next stage is because uh, this thing is about 900 different variations as they grow up, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, we switched. Uh, <laughs> we gave my daughter that one, and then we got him some other. Conver- I'll say I'll send you the link, Marsh. I'll let you know. It wasn't <laughs> wasn't crazy expensive. I thought I was gonna have to get a new one, and that cost a fortune. But uh, was- Winnipeg Winnipeg Dad Talk, a new offshoot of uh, of the W. <laughs> me, me, you, and Brando, uh, Brandon Ruicki came on last week. We got into it. So this is what we get into when Hustlers away, and uh, I'm in the host chair. <laughs> We're old now, man. This is what happens when you just like talking. This is literally every conversation I have with anybody in my circle. Uh, over the last month is going, hey, what what are the Thai cats doing with that? And then it just devolves into dad talk because we're all trying to lean on each other to figure out how the hell to do this stuff. Man, I got really into, when you first said, I got really into gear, uh, stroller gear, backpacks, all. I got a lot of lot of thoughts on that. But that's another <laughs> show, Marsh. I appreciate you coming on. Nice talking to you and, uh, and enjoy the rest of your day. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. There he is, Marshall. Ferguson, he does uh, CFL on TSN, makes it rain there. Uh, the Waggle podcast, CF perspective. Marshall knows his stuff uh, on the CFL, that's for sure. But the Jets practicing today, Canada Life Center, preparing for the San Jose Sharks tomorrow. Mike McIntyre, uh, he's there, and we'll talk with some pressing uh, Jets topics with him right after this. We are looking forward to next season. And, of course, all of our Winnipeg Blue Bomber reports here on Winnipeg Sports Talk are brought to you by Princess Auto. Proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And now, welcoming Bomber fans to Princess Auto Stadium for next season's Winnipeg Blue Bomber year. Of course, a new 10-year deal announced earlier this year. Uh, A great local success story of a Winnipeg company getting behind the local team in in the way that they uh, are. Of course, Princess Auto, in addition to being great sponsors of all of our sports teams here in the PEG, and of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk, 
Princess Auto is also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and visit them in-store on either Panet Road or Portage Avenue West at their two Winnipeg locations. Or you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, I have to give a shout-out to the gang at Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist since 1946. As the snow melts and we get into spring, you'll see their fences and trucks all over the city. Um, but you might not know, they're also the Clopay dealer in Manitoba and have the largest selection of overhead garage doors for your home in town. But right now, as it is cold in the middle of the winter, this is the time that stresses your overhead garage door the most. And the right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. And uh, hey, fellas, if you're looking into your closet and realize that it might be time to step up your menswear game, might I suggest a quick trip to take care of that down to see the gang at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street, Winnipeg and Manitoba's number one spot for menswear at great prices. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Great deals for 2024 high school grads. And if you're in a wedding party or getting married this year, make sure you talk to the gang down at F Apparel about a 15% discount when the entire wedding party gets their suits at F Apparel. They're again down at 190 Smith Street downtown. Check them out online and find out more or make an appointment at F, that's EPHapparel.com. There's us. We'll be back next week. And if you're here, hey, thanks for tuning in. Uh, If you're liking the show, hit the thumbs up down below, the subscribe button closing in on 11K, but time to get to some Jets discussion. I'm so pumped to bring in Mike McIntyre live at Canada Life Center back from the road. Uh, Mike, how's it going? Thanks for uh, coming on with me today. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a, this is just a pit stop at home for the Jets and for me, because I'm, I'm heading back on the road uh, on Thursday, along with the Jets, of course, um, as they go play two more, uh, this time on the West Coast. We were on the East Coast sort of last week, Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, interesting bit of scheduling here for the Jets in that they, you know, they have their nine-day break. They come back. They play every other day for three games, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And then, then Remus, they go, what, one week with one game. Um with, with tomorrow night being the only game. Uh, and, of course, the team they're going to face, they have an even odder schedule. The San Jose Sharks, when they play the Jets tomorrow, that'll be their first game in almost two weeks. Uh, the Sharks are still not officially back from their player break. Um, the Jets took theirs before the All-Star break. The Sharks are one of those teams... That, uh, that took their player break after the All-Star break. And it was an extra long player break. And of course, they're now resuming their season far, far away from the Bay Area. And you know, Remus, you look at the Sharks, like they're coming in here tomorrow. They won't have played in almost two weeks. Uh, 
their best player is now hurt. Um, and uh, Logan Couture is out of the lineup as well. He had a setback. Um, you know, this is one of those, if, if there's a definition of a trap game, I suppose this would be it. But uh, you'd, you'd think the Jets could come out tomorrow, given that they've now played a couple games and they're trying to get their game back in shape. Uh, you think the Jets could come out and really get a jump on a depleted and not very good and very rusty Sharks team. Uh, maybe the Sharks will be the cure for what ails the Jets in terms of some of their offensive troubles because there's a lot of players right now, Remo, that are uh, they're squeezing the sticks a little bit. You know, Nita Ryder, he got off the schneid the other night, but there's a few guys that could use something good to happen. And the power play, of course, which, uh, interestingly enough, the Jets spent a lot of time today at practice working on the power play. And let me just say, I, I think they spent almost 15 minutes on the power play. I don't know that they scored a single goal on it. It was like even in practice, the power play did not look good today. Maybe that's a credit to the penalty killers. Um, but if practice makes perfect, uh, what we saw at practice in terms of the power play execution, the Jets are far, far from perfect uh, right now when it comes to the man advantage. Oh, I thought you were going to say they looked great uh, scoring, no, but it looked, looked no. the same. In fact, I made a joke. So there was, there was actually a crowd of, uh, not a big crowd, but there was some some folks in uh, in the building here today watching practice. I think it's uh, like a by invite only. There were some schools and stuff. And I joked with some of the other folks on Media Row that uh, that that they should be yelling "shoot" <laughs> and perhaps booing the power play. And that's what we were saying. Can you imagine uh, if, if the Jets were getting booed on their power play during practice? But honestly, with how poor it looked, uh, it deserved uh, to get booed today. Um, we'll see if how that translates to the game tomorrow. The, the Jets actually haven't got a whole lot of power plays in these three games back from the break. Like, you know, very small sample size, obviously. I think they, what, only had like one the other night. So it's hard to, it's hard to judge entirely what, what it looks like. You know, obviously Sean Monaghan's been added. Um, he'll play his fourth game with the Jets tomorrow. They've got, you know, Shifley, Connor, Velarde. They're all healthy at the same time. But certainly the small sample size with the new look group looks a lot like the big sample size with the, 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 uh, the previous group. And, and, you know, I think, what are they, two for 37 right now? So, yeah, if, if today's practice was an indication uh, in terms of the power play, uh, they don't look like they're ready to break out of the, the slump anytime soon. Well, we do mention San Jose. Interesting. They haven't played in a couple weeks, their break after. I have seen stats in previous years that, you know, the team that's first game back from a break against the team that's been going, it usually doesn't go well for the team that's in their, you know, in their first game. It just takes a while to get the legs going. Sure. But we've seen crazy stuff with the Jets and the Sharks. You know, maybe <laughs> yes. uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, whoever's in. And goal will have uh, some kind of stellar performance. But you were you were just on the road in Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and back here. What did you make of the Jets' road trip? I know you're doing some great work uh, getting stuff for the free press that you know that's kind of behind the scenes there. Yeah, I mean there wasn't a whole lot to write home about, of course, 
with those two games, uh, you know, I thought the Pittsburgh game was fine. Like, again, that was both teams coming off the break. And and that was a game that you could say was a winnable game, you know, right down the stretch. The 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 Philly game was the bigger concern, right? I mean, that, that was the rare stinker by the Jets. Like, even when they've, even when they've dropped games here in the last couple of months, um, at least until that Flyers game, like they, it always felt like they were right in it. They were competitive uh, that game. And yes, like there was some things that maybe, you know, didn't go their way a couple breaks, if you will. But, uh, and yes, the Jets played better in the last two periods, but I would say that was heavy score effects with the Flyers kind of sitting back. Um so, you know, the, there wasn't a whole lot to like about how they looked on the road. And, and you know, even go back to before the break, Remus, like they, they dropped that game in Boston. They dropped the game, granted, in overtime in Toronto. Like the Jets have suddenly they're struggling a little bit away from the friendly confines of, of Canada Life Centre. And don't look now, but they got two more road games coming up after tomorrow against, you know, two teams that are going really well, the Canucks who have been going, you know, they've been hot all year. That is going to be a, a daunting task, and that'll be our first look uh, at the Canucks for the Jets this season. I believe, Remo, you may know this better than I, I think the Jets have now played every team in the league except Vancouver and Seattle. I think Seattle's the other team that we have yet to see. I think they've played the other 29 now. Uh, and then the Calgary Flames and, you know, Calgary, um, I know they lost last night by a goal in New York, uh, but they've been going really well as well. So that's two tough road games. Uh, and the Jets haven't had a whole lot of success lately here on the road. Um, you know, going back to Saturday night, obviously the rematch against the Penguins, great first period by the Jets. That was the response they needed. And, and you know, Remo, I found it interesting that Rick Bonus. After that stinker against the Flyers, Rick Bonus actually treated uh, to to kill his team with kindness. I know a lot of people were saying, "Oh, they they should be bag skating the Jets after that effort in Philly." Rick Bonus responded by canceling practice on Friday. Like that's right out of the new school uh, coach's playbook, not the old school one where you would bag skate a team. Um, you know, he he felt even though his team had just come off a long break, the, the the nine day break, he obviously felt like giving them an extra day off was was the move. And to the Jets' credit, they responded with a pretty, you know, a pretty dominant first period. They get those two goals, but then they kind of slipped, and you know, they had to hang on for that victory. At the end of the day, they got what they needed, which is stopping that five game winless streak. But I'm really curious to see now what a Jets team that had some rest, um, you know, some additional rest since Saturday, and they've had a couple practices. Um, they should come out and assert their dominance over a San Jose Sharks team that isn't very good. Uh, and and is that what we see tomorrow? I, I would think it is. And if it's not, um, then there will be more concern around Jets land, no doubt. Yeah, big win, uh, you know, talked about lack of scoring. They scored two. Uh, it was more than, you know, the one. They had scored, what, against the Flyers or zero against Pittsburgh. But then you get the win. So you got to feel good about that and move forward. You got a, a nice opponent here. But then you, things ramp up uh, yeah. if, against Vancouver, Calgary, 
and a big rematch against Minnesota. Uh, we, we did have some Jets transactions yesterday. I mean, David Gustafson activated from IR, Tony Nato down to the Moose. I don't know if any of these like, have a real impact on the Jets. I mean, does David Gustafson, even if he comes back, is he getting in the lineup? Probably not. I mean, at this point, I would think Rasmus Kapari, you know, they talk about the next man up, right? Well, Rasmus Kapari um, is probably the next man up. You know, he's the he's the only extra forward they have on the roster right now. And I would think, you know, David Gustafson, again, barring injuries, if everybody stays healthy, Gustafson will probably, he'll be with the Moose for his full two-week conditioning, at which point he probably comes back to the Jets and... Again, if everyone's healthy, he probably sits um, and, and you know, patiently waits his turn. Um, you know, I think in terms of, of Jansen Fialbi and Toninato, yeah, th- those guys, obviously, they're not moving the needle significantly. But it is important, I think, Remo, especially after this team, you know, lost Declan Chisholm on waivers. Uh, they lost Jansen Harkins on waivers earlier this year. Like their depth has taken a little bit of a hit from where the depth chart was at the beginning of the year to where it is now. And this is a team that absolutely envisions, you know, not just playing a couple playoff games. They want to go on a long run. And so you, you may need that depth and the fact that they've kept that now in the system, obviously good news for the Manitoba Moose who kind of have turned their season around a little bit here as of late um, with a real nice run. And now they get a big boost with, with, you know, Toninato and Gustafson coming their way about a week after Jansen Fialbi was sent down. Like, that's three NHL players now dropped into their into their lineup. And the Jets have some insurance. You know, they, they obviously hope they don't need it. They hope they don't have to go that deep into the system going forward here. But it is nice to have. Uh, and so I think, you know, they were happy. And, and look, I, I, part of the theme of what I'm writing about today had a great one-on-one chat uh, today with Vlad Nemestikov. There's a guy who, you know, he had been the second-line center for this team for most of the first half. Well, they bring in Sean Monaghan and Vlad Nemestikov. Sorry, you're down to the fourth line now. Uh, And I talked to him about, you know, the mindset and the unselfishness that you need, the kind of the team-first mentality. Uh, And the Jets have had that now in spades, right, With, with guys like Kapari Johnson, Fialbi, Toninato, who were playing meaningful minutes. Now there's no room for them on this team. And, you know, I guess that's one of those good problems to have. And when you're a good team that had injuries and now you're healthy, it's inevitable that this will happen. So you can never have enough depth, especially if you envision playing hockey well into the spring. Um, and I think what we're seeing, Remo, here is is a lot of guys kind of put their egos aside sort of the, the all-for-one, one-for-all mentality that, that you need uh, if, if you're going to have success. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of success, uh, you know, we saw the top line get shifted around. Uh, they looked pretty yeah. good. Uh, Ehlers, Shifley, and uh, Kyle, Connor. Con- Kyle Connor. One guy who was on that top line, and he spoke to the media today, hasn't had a lot of success in the last so five games here doesn't have a point Gabe Velarde what do you make of yes. Gabe Velarde's play and what did he have to say about uh what's been happening with him moving down from line one to line two well he's not happy with his play at all 
and and he was pretty candid about that today. Actually, it was uh, it was an interesting media session with him. In fact, there was a funny exchange where Kelly Moore of uh, of CGOB, you know, said to to Gabe Velarde, uh, um, you know, you looked the first period. He said last game it looked like you really kind of were going good. And Gabe Velarde almost incredul- incredulously said to him, "You thought I had it last game," and and then you know, and he goes, "Well, thanks." And then he, Gabe Velarde, then kind of unloaded on himself and why he didn't think he was very good last game. He conceded that that they had a good first period, kind of like that he had a good first period, kind of like the rest of the team. And then he didn't like at all what what he looked like and what his team looked like. Rick Bonus told us this morning, Remo, that. He actually loves coaching um, Gabe Velarde because he's so brutally honest um, that he's easy to coach and kind of go through things with him. There's no sense of uh, um, of entitlement, I guess, or or he, he's not he he's not living in another world where he maybe thinks uh, up is down when really it's not. Um, and in fact, Rick Bonus, he was late to his availability this morning because he, he was meeting with a couple of players privately. One of those was Gabe Velarde. So um, Gabe Velarde certainly sounds like a player who feels like he needs to be a lot better and that tomorrow is a chance to prove that. I'd expect to see uh, a pretty engaged Gabe Velarde tomorrow. And yeah, he's, as you say, he's he's moved a little bit here in terms of his spot in the lineup. Obviously, he hasn't had a whole lot of time yet with Sean Monaghan. Nobody has um, really like a game and a half so far with with his new centerman. Um, and then you got Cole Perfetti, who my partner Ken Weeb uh, at the Free Press had a great chat with yesterday. And Cole Perfetti's kind of gone cold as well here lately. So, you know, you've got a couple wingers with a brand new center. And that line, I think on paper, we would all agree, has the potential to be really good. We just haven't seen it. We haven't seen that line a whole lot yet. And, you know, maybe we saw some glimpses in the first period, but just the tone of Gabe Velarde's availability today, he knows he has to be better. He certainly expects better of himself. And he sounds like a guy who's uh, who's going to come out tomorrow night really engaged and uh, and wanting to show it. And again, you look at who the opponent is, how it potentially sets up for the Jets. Um, I, I would say the potential is there for the, that line to have a very, uh, a very good night. Yeah, Monahan pointless in three games with the Jets. He did have that shorthanded breakaway hit the post on. And yeah, Cole Perfetti yeah. Does, doesn't have a point in his last seven after putting together a pretty good sophomore season here. Uh, one player won't be in the lineup tomorrow. Uh, Brendan Dillon in the final game of his three-game suspension. But there was some other news surrounding him last week. I don't know if we should read into anything or not, but he did change agents last week. And him, you know, the Jets roster, like, pretty locked up going into next season. Uh, The only UFAs are Dylan, DeMello, and now Sean Monaghan. But, you know, is there anything to read into Brendan Dillon switching agents? You mentioned to me you uh, had a chance to speak to him about it. I did, yeah. Uh, actually, it was last Tuesday. Um, I guess it was, yeah, last Tuesday in Pittsburgh before the the game that night, where he'd ultimately get the match penalty. Um, I spoke to him just 
off camera just on my own uh, in the room that morning and I asked him about the change of of agents and it was interesting he there is something to read into it for sure um first of all he he told me what he had told me a couple months ago uh as Dylan DeMello did as well which is that there really have not been any talks with the Jets about a new deal and I can tell you and and he told me that's not his choice like he 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 wants to remain a Winnipeg Jet him and Dylan DeMello um and in fact he flat out told me like he knows his next deal and if it's with the Jets it's more about a fit than it is about you know making the most money one of the things that he said in terms of the agency switch was um he's now gone to a smaller agency um he felt I think that he was maybe getting lost in the shuffle a little bit. And I guess that can happen if you're part of a bigger agency and they've got multiple clients. Um, maybe you feel like y- your your voice isn't getting heard quite as much. So he said the switch to a smaller agency is absolutely with the idea that maybe it can kickstart some things here. And his his number one choice is to kickstart things with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and again, he said it's it's more for him about fit, about comfort, than it is about just pure money. And you know, it's a pretty refreshing thing to hear, of course, from a player. This this might be his last contract, right? And and you know, you'd think, okay, maybe he's trying to squeeze every cent he can. I I get why maybe if you're the Jets, you haven't gone very far or at all down that road. Like obviously, you know, there were big priorities this year. Hallebuck and Shifley got done just as the season began. Nino Niederreiter, you know, I think that became the next priority. And obviously his extension was done earlier in season. And, you know, I think now the focus really has switched to the trade deadline and the Monaghan deal. And I guess if you're the Jets, like you probably feel Dylan and DeMello, um, you can maybe worry about that down the road, but it's it's going to be a very interesting situation because, as you point out, the Jets don't have a lot of free agents. Um, you know, they're going to need some money, obviously, for what whatever Cole Perfetti's next deal looks like. Uh, but they have so much of this core locked in, and you know, a guy like Brandon Dillon, I think we saw whether you agree or not with the suspension the fact that he plays that style of game that led to a, a three-game suspension, the Jets don't have a whole lot of that on the back end, nor would I say do they have a lot of that in the pipeline. Like, there's not there's not a Brendan Dillon, the next Brendan Dillon, on the moose right now, unless you think it's Tyrell Bauer, who, you know, I don't know that Tyrell Bauer is is going to be an NHL player. Maybe he is at some point. My point is there's there's no Brendan Dillon in waiting. And I think if you're the Jets, you really value what Brendan Dillon brings to your roster and the importance of that. There's leadership there as well. He doesn't wear a letter, but he's very much a, 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 a leader. Um, so, you know, I think it, it's a decision that uh, I suspect they're going to have to cross that bridge at some point. We know in Brendan Dillon's case, he wants to stay here. Uh, and I'd be surprised if the feeling wasn't mutual from the Jets just doesn't sound like we should uh, necessarily expect anything to get done here in, in the near future. It might be one of those that waits till the season is over. 
Yeah, just looking again. They have three UFAs after the season: Monahan, uh, Dylan, age thirty-three, he'll be thirty-four in November, and Dylan Demello, uh, he's age thirty. Uh, Demello making three million this year. Dylan making three point nine, and uh, Dylan Demello has been such a great fit with Josh Morrissey. Yeah. I have a hard time thinking they're not going to try to re-sign him. But you mentioned the pipeline. One guy who was ready on you know, could have been ready for opening day, but got injured and hasn't been able yep. to get back into the lineup. Uh, Billy Hanel, I don't know where that would leave him uh, looking forward. And Logan Stanley, who's with the team, he's an RFA as well after Elias, this season. Elias Salmonson is a guy yep. that could could join the organization once his his season is is over in Europe. And, uh, and yeah, they don't have, you know, Nate Schmidt's still got one more year. And, you know, we know that in the past, the Jets have, tried to move that contract and obviously they haven't is that something they would be able to do this summer potentially to create a spot um you know hard to say that a buyout possibility would it be worth it i mean a lot of but i think at the end of the day like the winnipeg jets are the number one defensive team in the nhl yes connor hellebuck is a big reason for that but the play in front of him including the the six regulars on the blue line is a big reason for that. And if you're the Jets, um, you know, four of those six regulars, they're under contract for next year. DeMello and Dylan are the two that aren't. You'd have to think. It'd be one thing if, if it wasn't going well, but it is. You're number one in goals against and a bunch of other categories. I think the the urge to run it back would be very strong given, you know, all the other pieces that are already in place, right? You want to keep that window open. Brendan Dillon and Dylan DeMello have been a big part of, of the success this year. And again, I, I'd be surprised if they didn't look long and hard about getting those two players back in the full. One thing we can say very safely, Remo, they won't be moving them at the deadline. The Winnipeg Jets will not be selling. Uh, they may be adding, they may be buying, they will not be moving any of their UFAs at the uh, deadline. And you mentioned the three. There's actually a fourth UFA. That's Lauren Brassois, uh, as well, who just signed the one-year deal. Um, you know, pretty safe in saying that Lauren Brassois probably isn't being resigned, not because they don't want him resigned, but because when Lauren Brassois signed here on his one-year deal, Connor Hellebuck's future was very much up in the air. While we now know Connor Hellebuck isn't going anywhere, we also know Lauren Brassois wants to be a starter. And I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that Lauren Brassois can be a starter, certainly in, in, in another situation, just not here. Uh, so I wouldn't expect as much as they'd love to, to get Lauren Brassois as the long-term backup to Connor Hellebuck, uh, that that's a UFA who very likely moves on. We'll see what Sean Monaghan, what becomes of that. To me, there's a good chance that's probably more of a rental than anything. Uh, but if I had to, to bet, uh, I mean, Dylan and DeMello, to me, of your UFAs, those are two guys that I think they would really want to bring back here beyond this season. Yeah, it seems like we won't have as eventful of an offseason uh, this no, year than no. we did la last year. I mean, year. But unless the offseason includes the Stanley Cup parade, that's pretty eventful, right? Yeah, yeah there we go. Deep, a deep playoff run. Uh, would be very nice. We are uh, approaching the trade deadline, March 8. I'm about to get into more into that with David Pagnotta of the fourth period. Oh, 
we just lost Mike, but uh, you know what? It's a great chat with uh, with Mike. We'll move on to David Pagnana of the fourth period. I uh, appreciate Mike uh, doing some great work there in the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, check him out as well. And, and there you have it, our Jets conversation for the day. But uh, we've got David Pagnotta coming up. We're going to talk trade deadline. Uh, who's on the block? Did the big trade list, the final trade list, got to submit and we're a month away. So here's us with some messages and we'll, uh, we'll come back with uh, David Pagnotta. Here we go. We have to give a big cheers from Winnipeg Sports Talk to our friends at Little Brown Jug, Winnipeg's favorite local beer company, featuring their flagship 1919 and their newest generic lager. My personal favorite, a 4-5 domestic-style beer brewed locally, fresh and crisp to the taste. And listen, generic right now, not only can you find it along with 1919 on your next trip to Canada Life Center, up in Craft Beer Corner in Section 310 in the Upper Bowl or 126 in the Lower Bowl. You'll also find it at your local beer store in Manitoba Liquor Marts at a great low price of $19.99 for an eight-pack of Tall Boys. If you haven't tried generic lager yet, try local. I'm sure you will enjoy it. And uh, maybe the best place to check it out, along with all of the Little Brown Jug offerings, is down at their brewery and tap room on William Avenue. You can also find out more on Little Brown Jug ordering and local delivery options, along with their great merchandise online at littlebrownjug.ca. Um, every sports fan in Winnipeg pretty much knows that if you're in the market for some new Jets merch or bomber gear or your favorite team from another league, there's only one place you need to go, and that, of course, is the Royal Sports Superstore at 750 Pemina Highway, 40,000 square feet of the biggest inventory you'll find anywhere featuring all the home teams and the top teams from all of your favorite leagues and whatnot around the world. But it's not just great fan merchandise at Royal Sports. Take advantage of winter or what's left of it with their incredible hockey section, skates both for high-end players as well as recreational skaters, not to mention snowboards, boots, bindings, and all the cool stuff on the King's Skate Snow and Surf side. You've got to see it to believe it for yourself. Head on down to Royal Sports at 750 Pembina Highway and make sure to follow them on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information at Royal Sports Pembina. And uh, hey, big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. If you're thinking about gathering with your friends for the big game, uh, there's nowhere better to do it than your local BP. You know you'll have the game on the massive screens in Boston Pizza. Uh, the sound from the commentators up on the uh, on the sound system. And most importantly and most popular, win or lose, you'll be enjoying ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and great Boston pizza hospitality. And heck, seven days a week, if you can't make it out to your local BP, you can always order online and get it hot and fast to your door by ordering at bostonpizza.com. All right, there's, uh, there's Hess again returning next week, but real pumped. To bring in now, David Pagnotta of the fourth period, the fourth period on Twitter, uh, the fourth period.com. He's even on YouTube here, putting out daily videos with the latest uh, trade rumors. So, link to that in the description of this video. Uh, so pumped to bring in uh, David Pagnotta. David, how's it going? Things are uh, ramping up less than a month until the trade deadline. Oh, 
it's uh, it's picking up. It's picking up big time. Uh, a lot of chatter. A lot of um, a lot of teams searching for options and and trying to see if outside the rental market there are other guys in play. So there's there's a lot of back and forth communication picking up. Offensive logjam thanks to Calgary. So uh, everybody's kind of searching for answers, searching for options, and trying to see um, if if anyone's willing to lower a price tag uh, on some guys to see if we can get more activity here before the deadline approaches. Yeah, we're just want, we're gonna get deep into the trade deadline, but first we got this big hearing going on, big in person hearing or over Zoom. Morgan Riley, what do you make of this? What are we gonna expect to see the suspension from? player safety for this cross-check cross check yeah. after an empty net goal. I keep saying it sounds so ridiculous to say, but that's that's what it is. Next time, Morgan, if you're watching, next time just jump the guy. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're going to get something anyway, but at least it'll be a one-gamer versus what could be six or seven. Um, look, when I – first of all, I have no problem with what Greg did. Um, Probably shouldn't have done it, but if you're sending a message to the other team, you want to give them a nice little jab and, and a nice little shot, it's a good way of doing it. So it was it was premeditated. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew he was going to get um, retaliated upon at, at some point after the goal. So I have no problem with, with what he did because you're, you're sending a message, a shot, and, and it's kind of fun to do occasionally. So I don't have a problem with that, and I don't have a problem with Morgan Riley going after him to send a message and, and to, you know, try to try to knock his top off. Problem is, don't try to knock the guy's top off with your stick. Uh, that's, that's the biggest issue I have with all of this. And, and whether it rode up or whether he missed and got him in the head, it doesn't matter. You still have to be responsible for it. Next time, either go for the ribs or drop it completely and just jump the guy. Um, you know, bear hug him, do whatever, cause a bit of a scene, let him know that you're not going to get away with this the next time kind of thing. But because he got the face... That's why we're looking at the potential for six or more games uh, on the suspension. I thought before they announced an in-person hearing, it'd be two or three. Um, I figured maybe three would probably be it. But now there's that, that option. And, and look, it was premeditated on his part. He knew he was going after him. He knew what he wanted to send the message. And I get that, and I'm all for it. But again, it's, it, once you start making head contact, especially nowadays, that's a big no-no. That's a big no-fly zone. So I... I I get where the league's coming from. If this ends up being three games or six games or 10 games, <laughs> I'm not going to be surprised because of the inconsistency from the Department of Player Safety. Um, but it's clear that Morgan's going to get some time here. He's going to miss tonight's game, at least against St. Louis. We'll find out probably tonight what it ends up being. Yeah, I'm curious to see, as you said, a lot of inconsistency. So you pretty wide range of outcomes here based on the past, but Moving towards the trade deadline, less than a month away, and the Winnipeg Jets getting out early. What do you make of the price they paid for Sean Monahan? And do we see another move from the Winnipeg Jets before the NHL's trade deadline? I think it was a solid price. I think it was a fair price. I mean, if you're the Jets, you're hoping that that pick is going to be, what, 29, 30? You know, something, something like that, at least. 31, 32 would be great. Um, so to, to pay a late uh, first-round pick, in a draft where everybody is projecting after picks 20 or 25, things really start to decline. So it's a late first. It's another pick. I think that's totally fair for, for Sean Monaghan. He's on pace for, you know, uh, 45, 50 points, whatever it is. I think, I think that's a fair price for, for that, uh, for that player. 
Um, and we've talked about this, you know, in, in the past, you got to figure out if now's your year, if the juice is worth the squeeze. I love that expression. Um, clearly Chevy thought that that's, that's the case. And, and there were other teams that were willing to pay a similar price as well and give up what they would think would be a very late first round pick. So Winnipeg got ahead of it after the Lindholm trade. And now, you know, you don't have a ton of cap space to, to kind of play with you, you do, but you don't like there's. I think they're projected, I'm just trying to pull this up here, a little over $5.5 million in space by the deadline. So you do have the ability to make some moves, but your asset cover is, is a little depleted because you moved your first, because you moved the additional pick. You have a second-round pick that is from actually from the Habs. Um, so you could put that in play, but more for a depth-type piece. I think if the Jets are going to do anything else, likely add a depth defenseman on the back end, not necessarily for a second, but I, I think that's something that they'd look at. And if something falls into their lap and the prices drop a little bit, then maybe you could see them go after another piece, be it a, a bottom six forward or somebody on that back end. I think that Chevy's kind of just exploring to see if there are some deals to be made here over these next three and a half weeks. Yeah, uh, looking at cap friendly, just to be more precise, $5.8 million in deadline cap space they're projecting. Yeah. So it'll move and Chevaldev has... He's added in the past when, when they're in contention, so we'll wait and see you know, until 3 p.m. On, on deadline day or whatever. Is that 3 Eastern? Yeah, 3, 2 o'clock your time, yeah. so There it is. Um, and, and just, again, like, especially with, with cup contenders, you can never have too many depth pieces on the blue line and veteran-type pieces. Mm-hmm. So to, to interchange into slot, depending on how the, 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 I guess, theme of a series progresses. If you need to slot in somebody a little more mobile – if you have that piece, you do it. If you have to bring in somebody more physical, if you have that piece, you do it. So cup contenders like to make sure that their cupboards are full at the NHL level. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if at the very least between now and the deadline after making the Monaghan move, they bring in somebody on that back end to kind of stabilize things if they need to. Could be a third pair. Again, if the prices drop and they get somebody to push the depth down um, and you add to your second pair, for example, or that caliber of defenseman, uh, if the prices drop, I think Chevy will pounce. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens here with the Jets. But looking at the rest of the league, we've seen the Jets make a move. Vancouver make a move. Which team up there in the top of the standings is next for a big splash as we approach the deadline? Uh, almost all of them are trying. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Boston looking for center and a depth defenseman. Colorado's looking for a center, a winger um, in their mid mid six. Um, you know, Dallas is looking for a right shot defenseman. They're going big game hunting. They may add a depth piece if they can't figure it out, but they really want to add um, a, a top four defenseman with a right-handed shot. And they may not be exclusively looking to the rental market. They have interest in Tanev, but I think they're expanding their search to some guys with, uh, with term as well. Um, I mean, look at, look at the rest of them. Vancouver may not be done. They're looking also at, at the defensive market. They had some talks with Philadelphia about Walker and Ristolainen. Um, Ristolainen, by the way, injured yesterday. It sounds like it's going to be lengthy, so he may be completely out of play for this deadline. Um, he won't be back from the sounds of things by the time the deadline approaches, so that may affect things. That may be something Philly looks at in the summer again. Um, but, you know, the Rangers are looking for a center and, and a depth winger uh, in their mid-six. Uh, Carolina's exploring the goaltending market a little bit, a depth forward up front. Um, Toronto, looking at defense, looking at mid-six. I mean, almost every contender right now that is – almost every team in a playoff position right now, defenseman, depth forward, mid-six. 
So it's basically a, a race, almost, you know, eight teams on, on either side trying to see if they can out, out, uh, out with the other team by making a move. And maybe we see more activity a little bit early, um, which would be certainly nice because it's always fun to talk about. Yeah, I mean, we had huge uh, numbers for that Monaghan trade, so it was uh, bet, it was yeah. very welcome, especially during All Star Week when I was like, "What? What are we going to talk about? Talk about here?" So that was uh, that was well timed. Now you were in Toronto, but I'm looking at your trade board, Calgary. Yep. They got number one and number two, Hannafin and Tanev, but are they kind of holding off? They're still kind of in a playoff spot, 55 points. They're three back of St. Louis and L.A. for the wild cards. What do you make of Calgary's? situation as we had to march eight deadline they're still going to be active but but this is a team that's that's on both equations they're looking to sell and they're looking to buy and from a buying perspective if they can get guys if they can they end up moving tanev and hands and and, and may, they've got a couple other pieces on on expiring deals as well especially on the blue line depth defenseman that's a team that you want to call as well uh Osterley, gilbert and so on but if they move out these pieces and they collect more assets you get you're probably going to get a first round pick in a hannafin deal or equivalent prospect. They're trying to get a first round pick for, for Tanev. We'll see where that goes. If, if, if it ends up being that high, um, similar price in Philly, by the way, for Sean Walker asking prices of first round pick. So if, if Calgary collects all these different pieces, you end up with three or four first round picks either this year or a combination of this year and next, they're probably going to not probably, they will look to pool some of those pieces with some others to get some guys in now. So mid-20s, guys that are controllable, either RFA status next year or have term on their deal, they're looking for moving pieces out and moving pieces in to, to, to kind of encompass the, the, the rest of the core and cocoon the rest of the core with some added pieces to, to potentially be part of that core. Um, so they're going to look. They're, even though they're, they're in the playoff race right now, smacking the wild card race, they're on a bit of a heater, minus the loss the other night um, to the Rangers, 2 nothing. This is, this is a team that if they can make these types of moves because they know they're not going to sign them, you don't want to lose them for nothing, take these assets, package them up, bring in some, some other pieces elsewhere. So we'll see kind of how that unfolds. But they're controlling the defensive market right now with Hannafin and Tanev. Other teams that are looking to move out defensemen, even those with term, they want to see what, what Calgary does. Philly specifically wants to see what Calgary does with their guys because that will determine what happens with Walker. Um, and some other teams are, are looking as well. Montreal has David Savard. They don't necessarily want to trade him. He's got another year on his contract. But a strong, sturdy, reliable defenseman with a right-handed shot. If the prices go up a little bit because some of these pieces end up elsewhere, they could cash in. So everybody's kind of waiting to see what the Flames end up doing with their blue liners. Yeah, you got seven teams on your list linked to Chris Tan. Have you mentioned a couple plan, plan Bs probably there? Probably more. Yeah, probably, probably okay. Yeah. Couple. Couple plan B, Savard and Walker. Yep. The Flyers really intriguing team. It's supposed to be a rebuild year. Weren't expected to contend. Here they are third in the Metro, but you still got a number of names. Do you think they're still gonna pull the trigger on a couple deals to sell at the deadline, or have, are they changing course here? No, they're, well, they're not gonna buy. Um, and, and by buy, I mean they're not gonna enter the rental market and yeah. pay a premium for for one guy. Um, Walker is available now. Ristolainen and, and Lawton are two guys that, because of the market, they've made available. Lawton was available in the summer. There was a, an offer with Toronto that included a first-round pick. The Leafs backed off um, and, and didn't end up doing that. But um, right now with Philadelphia, it's, they're not selling, per se, outside of, outside of Walker. Um, but they're seeing how the market kind of 
unfolds. Like like Lawton, for example, and things, by the way, in the last, I'd say five days have really cooled off on Lawton's side of things. Um, but the reason he's out there right now with them in third in their division uh, is because the center market's not deep in terms of rental pieces. So why don't you look to someone with term? And outside of Adam Henrique and Alex Wenberg, there's a big dip up the middle. Maybe Jack Roslevic maybe um, enters that equation uh, because he's a UFA at the end of the season. So because of all that, Philly is saying, all right, you give us a good enough offer and it's got to include a first round pick for Lawton. Um, and they're looking at the Goodrow move that San Jose made to Tampa a number of years ago um, as a comparable. He's got a couple more years left on his deal. It's a very palatable $3 million cap hit. They've been talking to Edmonton about both Lawton and Walker. Um, we'll see kind of how that unfolds, but unless a team is willing to pay the price, they'll hang tight, they'll hold on to him, and they'll wait till the summer uh, to explore it. Ristolainen, same situation. And they're willing to retain on Ristolainen's contract from, from what we've been told, my colleague Anthony DeMarco also reporting, 25 to 35% of his $5.1 million cap hit, they're willing to retain. Now, as I mentioned earlier, he's hurt, and he might be out for an extended period of time, so that may take him off the board and, and, and not really be a player for the deadline and probably revisit that stuff in the summer. Um, and if that is the case, and we should get word either today, tomorrow on, on his health, um, but it doesn't sound overly promising. Um, so that likely means the summer. But they've been, they've been willing to listen because they're trying to see if anyone's going to overpay based on current market conditions. Yeah, one player you and Dennis Bernstein mentioned on uh, your YouTube channel that we've talked about here, Casey Middlestead, center with Buffalo, yeah. 25 years old. 42 points in 51 games. Not a lot of centers out there. We talked about, we've talked about that on this program as well. I mean, why would they look to trade him? And what do you think they can get in return? And is anyone going to pay the price to get him? Well, you know, this, this really came up last week. Um, we started to hear some noise. And, and then um, Andrew Peters reported locally that he was definitely available. We did some digging or less semantics. They're, they're shopping him. They're not shopping him. They're listening. They're not. Li Basically, long story short, he's available. Um, so this isn't a situation like Buffalo's looking to shift their roster a little bit. They thought that their fortunes would be a lot better this season. Obviously not the case. So they're looking at, uh, they also have other pieces that they could potentially move. Eric Johnson's going to be out there. Um, uh, Gergensen's is out there right now. Some teams asking about a Poso. Um, they've got Victor Olofsson also on an expiring deal and they have three retention slots available. So they can retain money on these expiring contracts to help facilitate deals. Um, so they're going to be active, but with Middlestat, he's an RFA with Arbrights. They're paying some, some top guys, some premium dollars. I think they want to explore to not only augment their core, but also just try to work things out financially. He's probably going to command seven plus, I may be lowballing it, but at least $7 million would be my guess on his next contract. So do you want to utilize that for another center? Because you've got some good, strong pieces, young pieces up front, um, excuse me, up the middle, or do you want to look to the wing? This is going to be, if it does happen, a talent-for-talent -talent swap. This is a hockey trade. This is not Buffalo looking to move out Casey Middlestad for picks and prospects. That's way behind them, other than the rental pieces. Um, they want to make a hockey-type trade here. So if you're moving out Middlestat, you're bringing in somebody that's going to be as impactful as he is to your roster. He leads them in scoring right now. Um, this is going to be an interesting one to follow. If it doesn't happen over the next three and a half weeks ahead of the deadline, could be something we see around draft time in, in Vegas.
Yeah, it's supposed to be a you know a comeback here for Buffalo. Been quite yeah. disappointing, but yeah, looking at their salary, I mean, you got Tage Thompson center making seven mil. Cousins also center. I guess he's slot you know second third line center. Maybe you could swap him to wing. They got Jeff Skinner's nine million uh, for the next couple of years as well. So interesting about yeah. Buffalo. One position they need, and some other teams. Uh, goalie. You know, we talked about them in the off yeah. season. Are we going to see any goalies uh, on the move? Before the deadline? I think, I mean, San Jose's got both their guys, Blackwood and Cockin, that are available. Um, so if you're looking for rental short-term fixes, you've, you've got those two guys. Jake Allen's still available in Montreal. He's got another year left on his contract. Um, I reported on Friday that uh, Jacob Markstrom was willing to move or is willing to move his no-trade clause for New Jersey. And they had really progressed in the last couple of weeks on trade discussions. Um, it's hit a bit of a barrier or wall right now for depending who you talk to a variety of different reasons, um, the package, the dollars, the, this, the, that, um, they're going to reconvene. I don't think this is dead in the water. Uh, I think that they're, they're hitting the pause button right now. Everybody just kind of calm down. There's no rush right now to do it. There's still time ahead of the deadline. Um, but my understanding Calgary likes Alex Holtz among other pieces. Um, can they figure something out here that, that works? Vanacek, I would imagine, would have to go back to help offset the dollars a little bit. Um, but this is a bigger type of deal because they also, like New Jersey does, Hannafin and Tanev. Is it a combo type deal? There's a lot of different pieces that have been discussed. I think they resume these discussions. Maybe they take this week and, and continue it on the weekend. Uh, but it was close. It was it was really close. They were almost there for whatever reason. Somebody hit the e-brake. Um so we'll we'll kind of wait and see. As I said, I expect it to to reconvene. You hear other names like John Gibson and Elvis Merzlikens, and yeah, Jersey's had conversations with both the Ducks and the Jackets about both guys. There's some players we're hearing Buffalo as well entering the mix on both of those players as well. Not not Markstrom, uh, but the other two. I think if we do see anything major happen, it's probably Markstrom, um, unless New Jersey just shifts course and and moves into the Merzlikens discussion a little further or Gibson. Um, but in terms of big name goaltending, other than that, I don't really see much like UC Saros, the way Nashville is right now, unless they're totally blown away. And this is another hockey type trade. I don't see that happening right now. This is probably something that would be re, um, rediscussed or, or resumed or whatever, um, in the, in the off season, close to draft time. Yeah, another Canadian team. Uh, near the bottom of the standings, Ottawa centers, they got new ownership. Uh, Steve Stales, he's the guy. What kind of work does he have ahead of him uh, to get this team back into the playoffs? A lot more than he thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hasn't really gone that great for this team. A lot more than Ann Lauer thought, too. Um, they're fishing and talking to a few teams out there. They expect, some other teams expect Ottawa to be pretty active between now and, and the deadline. And it's not just, you know, Dominic Kubelik is actively being shopped. Uh, um, Vladimir Tarasenko is out there as well. He will only go to a top-tier contender by the sounds of things. Jacob Chikrin's name has been out there for a little over a month. Um, and they have some, like, teams are asking about almost everyone. Teams have asked about Josh Norris. They've asked about Greg. They've asked about a few others. Um, I don't know how active they're going to be. Teams believe they're going to make a few moves in Ottawa. So we'll see kind of how that unfolds. But this is all geared towards next season and on. They, they want to push for the playoffs. And, and I mean, their goaltending decision last summer and bringing in Eunice Corpusalo hasn't exactly worked out that great. Uh, so maybe that's something they explore, although with his contract, I'd be surprised. 
Um, but they want to look in other areas. And the right side of their blue line is something they want to address. They want to bring in some veteran presence up front um, to that group, to not, not only on the ice, but also off the ice as well. Ottawa is going to be active, and they're certainly going to be a team to watch in these in these next few weeks. I'm curious to see what they do. Wouldn't surprise me. Like these left out of left field kind of deals that happen every once in a while around draft, uh, excuse me, deadline time. Maybe it is, you know, Chikrin. Maybe it's somebody else, but I could see Ottawa pulling off one of those types of moves. Yeah, Ottawa team, that's interesting. And another one, as we'll wrap it up, uh, Columbus as well. I mean, they've kind of been in the basement for a number of years. And yeah. I think, could we see... Boone Jenner moved or another one, one of their, you mentioned Roslevic already yeah. as a possibility. Merzlikin seems like they're looking for, you know, looking to get back into the playoffs, but it seems like they're still a bit away. Yeah. And, and Jenner's out there because teams are asking. Um, yeah, I mentioned this on, on the show yesterday. If, if when you're at the bottom, the vultures start to circle and they see, <laughs> they see if they can pry a little piece here, a little piece there. It's just normal. It always happens. That's why there's, there's so much interest in Boone Jenner right now because one team lets another team know, it spreads the word, and all of a sudden you got five, six teams that are saying, hold on a second, if you're really moving this guy, we want to talk about it. So they're not trying to trade the captain in Columbus. But again, because of the marketplace, there aren't that many physical top six forwards available. Like the new age power forward, I should say. Um, but he's there. and. If you get to a scenario where, you know, there's a hockey type move to be made, I think Columbus will look at it and you're probably going to have to pay a nice price because uh, he's got a pretty sweetheart of a contract as well. But this is a, this is a team in Columbus that's willing to listen. Now, the only caveat here that I see is with respect to Yarmo Kekalainen's future. He's the GM. He's been the GM for a while. There is talk that they may consider a change up top. Um, so I wonder if that type of decision would get approved under current management structure. Um, that's the only potential caveat I see. If they do get an offer they feel is acceptable, that might be the only thing that kind of delays things or, or puts a halt to it. Um, I haven't gotten that word officially yet, but there is some talk that the Jackets may be looking to shake up not only management, coaching staff as well going into next season. That's something that I would certainly keep tabs on after the regular season ends in Columbus. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, it hasn't gone, I think, according to their plan uh, during his no. tenure. And they had the coaching situation heading to the season as well. So and I, we'll keep an eye on there. But, David, I appreciate you taking the time to join me. Uh, do you want to let everyone who's listening know where they can find uh, your work as we head into a yeah. busy time of the NHL season? Yeah, it's going to be nuts over at the fourth period.com. Uh, a lot going on with regards to the trade deadline. We'll be updating the, our, our trade watch list regularly almost every few days once we hear some new stuff, uh, you know, kind of pop up. We always link the teams that are rumored to be of interest. So we'll add that to the mix. We've got our, our YouTube channel as well um, at the fourth period and, and also on Twitter where we'll be spreading a lot of info. You can catch us as well with myself, Dennis Bernstein, and Ryan Payton over on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio every Saturday with the hot stove. and. Um, if you get in Canada, if you get NHL Network on the TV side, be sure to tune in there as well. I'll be uh, jumping around on that over these next few weeks, including Thursday out in studio out there in New York. Busy guy. Well, David, thanks, thanks again for joining me here in Winnipeg Sports Talk. Really appreciate it. You got it, Michael. Thanks, man. There he is, David Pagnotta, the fourth period. Great conversation, great insight on 
the upcoming deadline, the buyers and the sellers. And I see the chat has been ignited by the Morgan Riley Ridley Grieg discussion. And maybe we'll get that ruling tonight. We can discuss on the number of games tomorrow. I can't wait to see what it is because we have no idea. Although maybe it'll be five games because it's in person, in person hearing. Um, hey, you want to get, let everyone know. We're giving away a pair of Manitoba Moose tickets on our website, winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest. Check that out. Uh, they're playing Saturday and Monday, and we have tickets to give away. And while you're on our website, scroll down to the bottom of the front page and sign up for our mailing list. We put out a newsletter each week highlighting the top content of the week, and we'll also let you know about some other giveaways we may have, if it's Moose tickets, or we all have AEW tickets. AEW coming to Winnipeg April 10. Uh, I can't wait to see that. Uh, this is something cool I saw on social media yesterday. Shout out to the Winnipeg Jets having a season, their first ever season ticket member photo day. I didn't even know this was a thing. I think my dad... Uh, He's, got, he's in charge of a season ticket group. Didn't give me the invite, but it looks like they had a photo day. Bunch of season ticket holders went in, got to meet the players, go on the ice, get some photographs. Uh, looks like a pretty cool event. And if you're looking to get some uh, jet seats, winnipegjets.com slash tickets. I have the app. I got a notification yesterday. Uh, big deal on for Valentine's Day against the Sa San Jose Sharks tomorrow. What better way uh, with your love to spend time with your loved one than at a Jets game on a Valentine's Day? I want to pick Jets.com slash tickets. We got uh, Tuesday, February 20. We're all looking forward to that Black History game against the Minnesota Wild. Wasack night, February 25th, about the Coyotes. Uh, the Blues were surging, Women in Sport Night against Seattle, and the Capitals, Monday, March 11. So, you know, season tickets available. Check that out, winnipegjets.com slash tickets. Uh, you know, Mike mentioned some of these clips from Gabe Velarde, and thanks to the Jets website, I do have, uh, I do have some of those here. And Gabe Velarde was asked by Kelly Moore, about his play, you know, he's pointless in the last five games. And here's uh, Kelly Moore asking Gabe uh, about his play so far. Looking back, uh, you know, from the, the first injury that you had that you came back on and, and the results that you had of that, and, and this, this second one, has it been more difficult to, to get back to, to playing the way that you were? Because it sure looked like you'd found it Saturday night. Um. Oh, you, you thought I had it Saturday night? Yeah, well, I, I thought I thought oh, thanks, man. That's nice. Saturday night. Yeah, you played well. Obviously, you would disagree. Yeah, no, obviously. I mean, um, I think just playing with confidence, and uh, I don't know if it had to do with the injury. Now, I mean, everyone had a break. I came back after the break. Um, I think you just gotta you, you go through stretches. Uh, everybody goes through them throughout the year. This is kind of one of those times for me where, you know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not generating as much. I think that's the most obvious thing that I'm focusing on is, you know, not just, you know, I'm not putting up points, but I'm not uh, I'm not creating as much. I'm not helping my line mates as much, maybe. So I think there's certain things that I'm, you know, been, been watching a lot of video and trying to focus on, and, you know, hopefully I can get out of this. But, I mean, at the end of the day, um, obviously I'd like to 
put up a point every game or score or whatever. I think everyone would, but if the team's winning, that's what's uh, most important. And I think, you know, we were coming off that stretch. It was huge to, to get a win. Yeah, there's Gabriel, Gabriel Velarde uh, on his play and doesn't have a point in five games. And it caught a big chuckle there. Oh, you think I, I had it on Saturday? So, I mean, that's what we talked with about Mike earlier. Uh, Gabe continued. Now, he's had an interesting season. He had the injury three games in, uh, the collision with Blake Lazat. And then before the break, he missed some time and, and wasn't really taking part of the morning skate. And was asked how he feels now coming off the second injury after the break uh, compared to how he felt coming back from the first injury uh, that uh, when he collided with Blake Lazat. So here's Gabe Moore on how he's feeling. No, I think when I came back from the first injury, you know, it's easy to see those those games were at a lot of points there. But uh, when I came back from that injury, I, there was still a, a little uh, segment there where I wasn't feeling so great. And uh, I like to call it, you know, playing hands hockey where I'm, I'm not moving my legs and I'm not using my body. I'm just kind of using my hands and thinking the game and, and my hands and my brain are moving faster than, than my legs and that's not something that works with me because I'm not the most efficient skater, I'm not the best skater and I know that. So uh, yeah, it's just working out uh, as I said, these little slumps that everyone goes through and I'm going through one right now and I gotta do, do it on my own, I gotta figure it out I gotta, no one's gonna do it for me. Love the, love the honesty from Gabe, we've had him on the program a couple times and uh, you know, he's realistic about where he's been at. The points haven't been there, but I think they'll come. And for the Jets, interesting week off here. You know, what they played Saturday and they play Wednesday, so two games before, and then they play Saturday, so two games after. So they've had chances to work on stuff. Uh, Velarde was asked about the schedule this week that really has them playing, you know, one game on the Wednesday here. I don't know. It depends how you view it. Maybe some guys are you obviously you view it as an asset I think for me I honestly rather just play mm -hmm. get into the flow of things and um, you know our schedule has been been favorable I'd say for the majority of this season obviously we got March coming up where we're going to play a lot of hockey um, but uh, yeah it, it depends I think for me right now I'd rather be playing you know every other day just get into a flow and kind of just feel it out there and kind of gain that confidence through through games because I mean yeah it's good to come out here and practice and get into rhythm with, with Sean and, and with Fetz, you know, two guys I haven't really played with that much this year. So uh, there's that aspect to it, but then there's also the aspect of, like I said, just playing hockey. Yeah, we're talking about practice, not a game uh, practice, and Gabe wants to be out there uh, playing games. One more, a nice back and forth with Kelly Moore and Velarde. He's got this new line with Perfetti and Monaghan, and uh, Kelly Moore asked Gabe, uh, how they've been playing. Yeah, and so from three games into it, how do you feel it's going? I, mean, I think I've been pretty clear. I haven't been playing great. No, and the no, team's but, been... but for the line, not just individually, but for the well, line. Well, I mean, I only, we only played, we've only played uh, a game and a half. I thought last game uh, as a line, you're asking. I mean, the first period we were good, and then the second period I think as a line and as a team, we just kind of fell, fell away from our, our game style. And then the third period we kind of just broke it up, didn't have as many shifts, the lines were all kind of scattered, so uh, um, as a line, I think we're, we're playing good. I mean, they're both very smart players, um, uh, make good plays, and uh, we got to try and generate. Obviously, we're not scoring enough goals as a team right now, and uh, 
that's something that we gotta continue to work on. Yeah, we'll see how these guys do in a full game against San Jose. And we talked about that yesterday, just the need for secondary scoring. The second line's got to step up. And uh, Cole Perfetti, I said with Mike, you know, seven games without a point. And Gabe, uh, he's at five games. So maybe with those three players, they'll uh, connect on something tomorrow against the Sharks. Um, Rick Bonus was asked after the practice today about the week with uh, the week of practice with just one game. Yeah, we had, we've had two good days of practice. We had the day off on Sunday, obviously, the rest. So well, we, we do everything. Again, I've said this before. The biggest, one of the biggest parts of our job is to manage the schedule and manage the days off and manage when to practice and manage when to travel. That's a, that plays a big part in it. So we're happy with what we've done so far. We know we're, we've given them enough rest. Uh, we've, we had a hard practice yesterday, a little lighter today, getting ready for tomorrow. Thursday becomes a travel day because it's a three-hour flight and a two-hour time difference. So we're going in two days early and we'll have a good practice Friday because we know what's coming up. Big game on Saturday against Vancouver. I can't wait. For that one, Hockey Night in Canada and Jets, Canucks mentioned uh, the time change as well. Uh, I don't know if we're on a time zone drinking game here at uh, 3 in the afternoon on a Tuesday, but uh, gotta love the, the time zone mentions because they certainly come into play. And Rick Bonus, he did mention he was late because and Mike talked about this as well. He mentioned he was late because he was working with Gabe Velarde on stuff, and uh, this is what he was talking with Gabe about, Rick Bonus expanding. We just want him to to use the ice a little bit more, open ice a little bit better. He's getting jammed up in the corners. So we, we're just working with him to try to get away from cutting back into getting all that pressure on him. So we, the last game he did a couple of times, he brought it out, he got the D involved, came up high looking for shots. So he, he just got bogged down around the, in the corners. So we're trying to get him out of there. Now he's very good and big and strong in there. But this time of year it gets harder to win those battles and the teams we're playing are very quick to outnumber. So once they bog him down, they're getting that second guy in there. So we're just trying to use get him to use that open ice a little bit better right now. And he told us this himself. I mean, clearly his second period against Pittsburgh wasn't as good as, as what the first period looked like. Like he looked like he'd found it again yeah. in that opening 20 yeah. minutes. And then a couple of things, and he's hard on himself. He's a true pro. Uh, he's a pleasure to coach, I'll tell you, because it's easy, easy to sit down with him and talk to him about explaining those things, and he gets it. And he is hard on himself, so uh, he knows what happened. So he'll be better tomorrow. There's Rick Bonus, time out Gabe Velarde, and getting ready for the Jets and Sharks tomorrow. I did enjoy Gabe Velarde's comments. He spoke a bit more. Check it out on the Jets website. Uh, but he seems to really enjoy hockey, Velarde. Enjoy, he likes breaking down plays, and we're looking forward to seeing what he can do with Cole Perfetti and Sean Monahan. Monahan's still looking for his first point as a Winnipeg Jet. Let's check out the cool bet lines and number of games. We had a couple games yesterday. I gave out two goal-scoring props. They did not hit, uh, with Vegas losing 5-3 to Minnesota. But here, big game tonight. Boston Bruins hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning. Bruins are minus 148 favorites. And Brad Marchand celebrating his 1,000th game yesterday. It was Alex Petrangelo with Vegas, his 1,000th game. Uh, LA Kings uh, in Buffalo to take on the Sabres. Kings road favorites, minus 142. Buffalo plus 
21. Montreal, they're home. The Anaheim Ducks, minus 122 favorites. Ducks, plus 104. And Ottawa, big home favorites against Columbus. I'm kind of surprised they're that big. Uh, minus 186. Blue Jackets, plus 156. There's a big total on that game. Over-under set at 7. So the bookmakers expecting a lot of goals in that one. And how about this one? Toronto, minus 212. Home favorites against St. Louis, plus 175. Toronto, they're going to be without Morgan Riley. And St. Louis just had it laid the smackdown on Montreal. They're rolling. Uh, you know, teams go into Toronto. They bring their A game. A lot of Ontario guys, a lot of Canadians on St. Louis. I don't know. Plus 175 seems, seems a bit high. Uh, a bit high. So maybe you want to go with the road team in that one uh, and Washington their home dogs to Colorado plus 156 Colorado minus 186 and Seattle and the Islanders Islanders minus 155 Kraken plus 132 I was listening to Sirius XM NHL Network Radio there were things must win for both these teams to hang in the playoff hunt and could this be a Stanley Cup final or a pretty damn good game with two pretty good teams. Uh, Dallas minus 116 hosting Carolina minus 101. That's basically a pick em. I'm pretty close to a pick em. And Nashville minus 125 against New Jersey. Uh, Nashville favored New Jersey. Did they win? I think they won last night. And yes, uh, Vancouver, huge road favorites minus 287 against Chicago. Plus 285, and another huge home favorite. Edmonton looks to keep it rolling, hosting the Detroit Red Wings. Edmonton minus 230, and Detroit plus 190. Those are tonight's games. I gave out some goal-scoring props before. I don't know if I I have any. Getting ready, just getting ready for the show. I don't know. You can pick, uh, let's have fun with one. Montreal. Goals. What's uh? What's cool coffee? Yeah, plus one. Not worth a plus one. I don't have any. I didn't prepare a goal scoring. Anyways, that's the end of the show. It is CFL uh, free agency today. So shout out to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers channel. They're they're live right now. Ed Tate and Derek Taylor. They've got this fancy new studio, and so I'm going to take you guys to the Bombers, uh, to the Bombers channel as we wind this down. But I appreciate everyone who's come in, said hello. Hit the thumbs up, hit the uh, subscribe button, done all the things, put up that notification bell on so you know when we're live. Maybe we do some surprise shows over the weekend. Uh, but really looking forward to tomorrow where we count down to Jets, Sharks, Murat Atesh of The Athletic will join me. Connor is back. And we'll, tomorrow we'll have the Morgan Riley decision, hopefully. And T-Will says, here comes the big outro. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Oh my god! Shut it down! Let's go! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.